is over the last few weeks, we've read entire chapters, and they've been very long, and we're going to make that up to you today. First Thessalonians, three verses. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how simple and how plain it can be. And I pray that you would anoint each one here. Give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. I pray that the Holy Spirit would rest upon every person in this building. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> have, you ever, have you ever wondered what God's will for you is? Um, back in the Back in the 70s and, and the 80s, early 80s, uh, I used to hear that question all the time. You know, what, what's God's will for my life? What, what does God want me to do? And I don't hear that question so much anymore, but I do hear the question, how can I know when God is speaking? Now, there's a connection there because if you know when God is speaking, then there's a really good possibility that you're going to know what his will is. That, that's, that's really how that starts out. Uh, but people say, how, do, how can I know when God is speaking? And there are times when I, just, when, I, when, when I truly want to say, you really don't want to know when God is speaking. Because you see, once you know that God is speaking and you've heard what he's had to say, <laughs> you've, got, uh, you've got a responsibility. There's actually, there's actually a, a, a real danger in knowing what God is saying, if you're not planning on obeying it. It's, 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 a, it's, it's a bad situation to be in. In Jeremiah's day, the prophet Jeremiah, he, uh, Jeremiah lived in rough times, man. I mean, he saw his, his people turn to idolatry. He saw them fall away from the Lord. Uh, he saw um, foreign armies come into the land, take over. Ultimately, he saw... Um, Jerusalem completely destroyed, uh, the people carried into, into captivity. And even worse than that, uh, the Lord gave him words to say to the people to keep all of this from happening, and they just wouldn't listen to him. And they not only wouldn't listen to him, they derided him for it, they despised him for it. I mean, it was tough. And after Jerusalem had been completely destroyed and the people had been carried off into Babylonian captivity, um, there were some other intrigues and things that happened that the, the few people, the, the poorest people, they said, were left in the land. Uh, there were some uh, intrigues that happened that caused uh, those people to freak out and go, you know, what's going to happen now? Nebuchadnezzar is going to come and kill all of us now. So what should we do? And they wanted to run away and go to Egypt, but they thought, okay, let's seek the Lord first. So they went to Jeremiah and, and they said, find out what the Lord's got to say about this and whatever Whatever he tells you, we'll do it because we know he speaks to you. I mean, we've, it's kind of been proven that all these other prophets were wrong and you were right. And so he went off and he prayed about it and he, and he came back to them. And this is what he said. You made a fatal mistake when you sent me to the Lord your God and said, pray to the Lord our God for us. Tell us everything he says and we will do it. Fatal mistake's a pretty big, that, 
That, that's, that's a mighty phrase there, fatal mistake. And yes, they did not listen to what the Lord said, and, and obviously that didn't, that didn't turn out very well for them. But once you've heard God speak, you know his will. And what are you going to do with it once you got it? When we were going to, uh, <clears throat> when, we, when we went to Zimbabwe back in the 80s and, and spent some time there, spent three years there, uh, probably a year or so before we, uh, before we left, maybe two years before we left, I had absolutely no, no desire to ever be a missionary. That was the last thing probably on my list of things to be. I was called to be a youth pastor. Now that I've done both, I think missionary is probably a little easier than youth pastoring, but yeah, we'll, we'll leave that alone. Uh, but by the time that we went, man, it was a desire of my heart because I knew that's what God wanted us to do. And, you know, once God speaks and you hear it, what are you going to say? No, I don't want to do that. Uh, that doesn't sound like a good idea later. Because when you do that, you know you've stepped out from under his will. And so now you're just kind of on your own out there a little bit, flapping, flapping around. Uh, but when you, when you do what he's told you to do, you're standing in a place of grace. And the wheels can be coming off of everything around you, but, but you're covered. You really are. It's, it's, a, wonderful, it's a wonderful thing. Now, uh, <clears throat> to really know God's will requires us to break free from the pattern of this world. Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not be... Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And when people teach on this verse, they tend to focus in on those last, that last phrase, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He's got a good will, and he's got a pleasing will, and he's got a perfect will, and that's nonsense. God has a will, and it is good, and it is pleasing, and it is perfect every time. I would say let's focus in on the beginning of that verse. You cannot know God's will and conform to the pattern of this world at the same time. Because the pattern of this world is totally opposed to, to the way that God thinks. In, in other words, you can't know God's will by being smart. You can't be smart enough to know God's will. Because the only way that it can be known is through revelation. You can't know God's will because you've... Uh, uh, but because you've got a high IQ, you cannot figure out God's will. Can't, you can't figure it out. You can't just sort it out and go, well, I think this, this looks right and that looks right and this looks right and so this must be God. That will be wrong virtually every time unless you're following the direction of the words. Which is where we're going to start. Um, a lot of times people are intimidated by the Bible, intimidated by the Word. I, I'm actually on Thursdays, I, I, I teach a Bible survey class in a, in a homeschool tutorial, and I, I try to get the kids to the place where they f feel comfortable about engaging with the Word. You know, but people go, well, I can't pronounce the names, and this is complicated, and that's hard, and, you know, and I don't know what the whore of Babylon is, and, and I, I can't explain Revelation, so, you know, I just need to, I just need to back off. And, and that's the devil, you know. That I, as I told the kids, if you can't pronounce the names, make something up. It's not like anybody's listening to you. It's just all in here. Oh, okay, there's old was buzz there, you know. I've seen that name before. Yeah, just, just make it up. 
And, and if, uh, you know, and if something is, if something is, you can't sort it out, you can't figure it out, read the next verse. Read the next chapter. There'll be something there that you can, that you can sort out, some things that you can figure out. And a lot of the Bible is amazingly simple. Amazingly simple. What is God's will for me? Well, start out with what you know. It's his will for you to be saved. You know that. Peter says, God does not want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And so if you are a one, then you are included in any one. He wants you to be saved. So that's, that's simple. Does everybody agree that that is God's will? Okay. Uh, it's also God's will for you to avoid sin. Now, I, uh, you know, I preach a lot of grace and I preach a lot of mercy and, and, uh, and there's a reason why I do that. Uh, there's two reasons, actually. One of them is because the Bible preaches a lot of grace and a lot of mercy. Uh, you know, I don't really find anything in there about uh, if you're called to the ministry, you're supposed to be a, uh, a hard-headed bull of a knucklehead, you know. No, it's, it says you're supposed to be kind and you're supposed to be gentle and you're supposed to be able to deal with those who oppose you uh, softly. So, you know, one of the reasons is because the Bible tells us to do that. But then another reason why I do it is because I need grace and mercy. And with a measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. And, and I, I do, I, I'm enough of a jerk and I'll admit it that, uh, that I need mercy in my life. Um, yesterday, I, when I was driving in Murfreesboro on Old Fort Parkway, I don't even have to say anything else, do I? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's just say I did a maneuver <laughs> that about a half a mile down the road, I went, I could be arrested for that. <laughs> but I received mercy. <laughs> Nobody was looking at the statute of limitations has run out, Adam, and you don't have jurisdiction in Rutherford County anyway. Uh, uh, uh. Okay, where did I get there? Avoid sin. Okay, yes. Mercy and grace... I, I preach that a lot, but that doesn't mean that I don't believe that you should avoid sin. We, God tells us. I mean, we, sin messes our lives up. Sin puts barriers between us and God. Sin causes us to really do stupid things. And, and you know, I didn't call a person stupid, but I, I use that word in its proper context. First uh, Thessalonians 4 says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. Well, let me just say a word about this because, well, actually, I need to say two words about it. Uh, first of all, we, uh, yeah, I'm just going to go there. You know, we live in a, in a very different world from the one that I was brought up in. And, you know, and I know... You know, I, I know that, hey, yeah, okay, uh, you, you, don't, you don't get it, you don't understand, you know, you're, you're old, and yes, I am old, but I do get it, and I do understand, you know, and we, we just, we live in such an immoral culture, 
We really do. And, and even, and I'm not, you know, I, I, when people, you know, when people mess up or when, when, they, when they fall or everything, I'm not going to pound on them, you know. I, I, I love them. You got to take people where they are and, and move forward. But guys, people who follow Christ are supposed to avoid sexual immorality. They just are. You say, well, what? What is sexual immorality? Well, you know what it is. Uh, but on the other hand, I, I'm, I'm, I wish they hadn't. I wish they'd made two sentences out of this, rather than one. And you know, the, the Greeks didn't use punctuation so you know we decided where it went i wish we had made two sentences out of this because i think we have a tendency to say oh uh you should be sanctified avoid sexual immorality well i've avoided sexual immorality so i'm obviously sanctified no you aren't because that's only one piece of the puzzle you know, greed will keep you from being sanctified uh, uh, gossip will keep you from being sanctified Woohoo! uh you know, lust will keep you from being sanctified, and that isn't always sexual immorality. You know, especially when you're getting emails trumpeting the fact that Black Friday week has now begun. I can't wait for Black Friday month, which will probably happen here in the near future. And that you have 572 points. You need to use those things. Unforgiveness. Anger. Those things keep us from it as well. So anyway, it's God's will for you to avoid sin. It's God's will for you to be saved. And it's God's will for you to be thankful. We read it today. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Is, is, is that hard to understand? You know, if, if anybody wants to know what God's will is for them, I would think a sentence that includes the phrase, this is God's will for you, would pretty much, pretty much settle the issue there. Give thanks in all circumstances. God, acknowledge God in all circumstances. His presence, his goodness, regardless of these, these temporary things called circumstances that are going on around us. You remember a few weeks ago, I, I brought up the fact that the truth that facts change. Some of you are old enough to remember when doctors used to advertise cigarettes. This, this will settle your nerves and help you with your appetite. Uh, I'm a doctor, trust me. Yeah. Well, that fact has changed. Facts do change. Circumstances are facts. Truth is eternal. Truth doesn't change. And in this context, the truth is God is good. He's good whether you got a million dollars in the bank or whether you got creditors calling you every day. He is good. That, that doesn't change anything. Nine times the scripture tells us he is good. And since he is also almighty and can do whatever he wants to do, and since he is also the judge of all the earth, I for one am very glad that he's good. It would be a tragedy. <laughs> You know, were he not good? Were he able to be bribed? Were he, were he able to 
to, to do things in an arbitrary, arbitrary manner. But, but he is good. And he isn't just good to me. Back, uh, back in the 70s and probably into the 80s as well, there was a chorus that we used to sing. And uh, I'm sure some of you remember it, but it just said, God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's good to me. And it's a good chorus. Um, and I enjoyed singing it. But I'll have to be honest. Every time I would get to he is good to me, what would go through my mind is my house, my beautiful wife, car I had to drive, my kids, my good looks. <laughs> this was a long time ago, remember? My athletic ability. Yeah, all of those things. <laughs> Me. But it's bigger than that. Because if, if that's what I'm focusing on, he's good to me, then when I look around at circumstances, sometimes I go, why aren't you good to me right now? What, what, what is going on here? You know, I thought God is so good. He is. He is. And it's not just, it doesn't just have to do with what seems to be happening in my life at this present time. He is present. He is working in all sorts. He's, you know, God is there, and he doesn't have his arms folded looking at you going, well, that's interesting. He is, he's actually active in what's going on. He's actually at work in what's going on. If you've been here for any length of time and you have, oh, let's see, let's go with Hebrews first. Uh, keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You know, he doesn't go, well, this is such a mess. I'm out of here. Your best friend may do that. Your mama might even do that. God won't ever do that. He's always there. And he's doing something. If you've been here any length of time and you haven't memorized Romans 8, 28 yet, shame on you. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. That, that is truth. That is not a fact. That is truth. That, that, that never changes. And sometimes things come down in our lives, and we're going, man, this is, this is, this is not good. No, we don't know that. God is there, and he's at work for good. Uh, I, I don't know if I can remember the quote exactly, but as I was messing around looking for stuff, the pictures and things um, about Thanksgiving. Well, one of them was a quote by Einstein who said, I am thankful for all of the people who told me no. So thankful for them because they pushed me. They pushed me to be able to do the things that I was able to do. And when people tell us no or when we get rejection or when um, things just seem to be going well, do we, do we stop and go, wait a minute, God's at work here. God's at work here. God could be doing something in my life. So, he's always good. He's always there. He's always at work. Let's talk about, there's really two occasions to be thankful. And one of them is the good times. And it may seem that, uh, that we would give thanks when something good happens, but that's often not the case. 
Um, you know, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, athletes giving praise, you know, at the end of the game because they hit the home run or, uh, you know, even thanks for winning the war or defeating your enemies or something like that, which is becoming harder to define. Uh, I'm talking about the more common things, the, the things that come up in our lives, hopefully on a fairly regular basis. Um, a raise, a good job, health, the fact that I drove the entire length of old Fort Parkway without an accident or without breaking any being caught with any <laughs> uh, we tend to attribute these not to uh, not to God so there's two things we tend to attribute them to and let me address both of them first of all there is no such thing as luck doesn't exist now, I'm Irish, and, you know, I'm all about the weather and the green and all that business. And, uh, and, and you know, it's not the luck of the Irish. It's, it's the, the pluck of the Irish, really, that uh, tends to get them through situations. Uh, but about 35 years ago, uh, this word totally left my vocabulary. Now, when Margaret and I got married, it was already out of her vocabulary. And... Um, she finally convinced me after about three years that it didn't belong in mine either because the only, the only reason for having this word is to say this happened and God didn't have anything to do with it. And we serve a God who says, you shall have no other gods before me. And so when something good happens in our life, it is not lucky, people. It's God. It's God. But even more than that, we have a tendency to say, <laughs> we have a tendency to go, yep, I did it. I did it. I did it myself. Um, we attribute so much to my work, my effort, my righteousness. All of that came from God. Uh, now, I, I think I mentioned this several months ago, but it's an appropriate time to mention it again. I was, at, um, I was at lunch, oh, probably a year ago, with some pastors and a pastor friend of mine who's a good friend of mine made the comment he said poor people are only poor because they want to be and and I and I wanted to pick up my plate and hit him on the head with it <laughs> but I am I'm kind and able to deal patiently with those and uh, so I didn't but I did say that's the stupidest thing I've heard in about a month <laughs> and uh I mean, you're telling me that people who don't have enough resources to properly feed their children and clothe their children uh, are, are okay with that. Are you t you're telling me that people who don't have enough resources to stay warm when it's cold or, or be able to be cool, I guess, when it's, uh, when it's hot, that they're okay with that. And, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't buy that. I mean... There might be somebody somewhere, but that would certainly be an outlier. And he said, well, yeah, but he said, you know, I pulled myself up from my bootstraps. I grew up poor and, and everything. And I went, oh, God, help me. <laughs> you know, in spite of what you're saying right now, uh, you, you, God gave you a, a high IQ. 
You're intelligent. Uh, there's a reason why average is called average. And you're not it. You're above it. God gave you talent. He gave you the ability to get up and, and communicate in such a way that people will actually sit and listen to you. And that's not something everybody has. You know, God, God gave you the kind of, the kind of personality that, uh, that, that is able to persevere and press through things that, that other people get, get discouraged about. He gave you the kind of parents and the kind of upbringing that gave you the, the courage to go out and face the world. Not everybody gets that. I, uh, I can memorize stuff pretty well. So when we do plays and stuff, you know, I, I don't usually have too much trouble uh, memorizing lines. And I can sing. And when I was younger and didn't know much, I wondered, why can't everybody memorize lines? You're just not trying. Anybody could sing. They're just not trying. And what I didn't understand is that when you have talent in an area, it's easy for you. But it's an area that's hard for everybody. There are things that I definitely cannot do very well. In the, and some of the people who can do them very well go, oh, yes, you can do that. No, I can't. Everything you have, every, every talent that you have, all of the, all of the, 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 advan the health that you have, the, the strength that you have, the, the hope that you have, God gave it to you. And so when good things, when, when you're in a good season of life, it's appropriate to give thanks. And it's so like us to not. And then there are the hard times. And interestingly enough, uh, we tend to sometimes be drawn more into Thanksgiving in hard times than in good times. But, you know, it can be hard uh, to give thanks when things aren't going well. So uh, just a, a couple of examples here. Um, Job. I actually like the book of Job. And uh, the first couple of times that I read it, eh, I didn't care for it very much. But I've actually gotten to the place where I like it. And the truth of the matter is, when people tell me that they like Job, I wonder about them. But, uh, but Job is, is a great book and, and a great guy. And here's this guy. And not only has he received the news that his children are all dead, not only has he received the news that all the stuff that he has has now been stolen, but he's sitting there with, with sores all over his body. And ultimately, his best friends are going to come along to comfort him and end up in a very short period of time pointing their fingers at him, going, it's all your fault. You know, Job, this all happened to you because you fill in the blank. So he's in that position, and it's a position none of us have ever been in. We might have had some of that. We haven't had all of it. And he says, naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And you say, well, that doesn't say Thanksgiving. That's Thanksgiving. That's Thanksgiving. The prophet Jeremiah, I, I, I'd already told you about some of the things that, that he went through. And, you know, like I say, he saw the nation fall into idol worship. He saw it totally destroyed. People wouldn't listen to him. 
the young being killed, slaughtered in the streets, uh, the, the places that he loved being torn down, burnt down. And he not only, uh, he not only wrote the book of Jeremiah, but also the book of Lamentation. And boy, it's, <laughs> if you hadn't read Lamentation, I mean, there's some, there's some serious stuff there. You know, you just kind of go, this guy, Wow. Yeah, my, 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 if, oh, that my head would become a fountain of tears. But in the middle of it, in the middle of all that distress, he says, yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. Thank you for waking me up this morning, keeping me in my right mind. Every day you open up the windows of heaven, pour me out a blessing. I have to find room to receive. And everything that concerns me, whatever I'm going through, I know that Romans 8.28 is still in effect because it's truth. It's not just a fact. And then there's Jesus. On the night in which he was betrayed. And anybody ever had a night that bad? I mean, seriously. He, and he knew that this was going to happen. All of his disciples, uh, all of his friends are going to leave him. Um, one of his disciples is going to betray him. One of the closest disciples was going to deny him. He was going to be arrested. He was going to begin the process of being tortured to death over the next 18 hours or so. And it says that uh, he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And you know what that cup was? This is my blood. Poured out for you. In fact, Paul calls it over in Corinthians, the cup of thanksgiving. And so from the worst night in Jesus' life. You know, it's one thing to have all those things happen to you. It's another thing to know they're going to happen and then have them happen to you. The worst night of Jesus' life, the cup of thanksgiving emerged. In everything, give thanks. And if you got, if you need something besides the fact that God is good and all this to give thanks for. Let me give you one other reason. What does, what do Romans 1, 8, 1 Corinthians 1, 4, Ephesians 1, 16, Philippians 1, 3, Colossians 1, 3, 1 Thessalonians 1, 2, 1 Timothy 2, 1, and Philemon 1, 4 have in common? You want me to say those again? <laughs> uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just put one of them up and you'll see what they have in common. Ephesians 1.15, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. The people around you. <clears throat> is, uh, is Chris Mincy in here? Chris. There he is. Happy birthday, Chris. This is Chris's birthday. He wanted me to be sure. And tell her, if, you have, if you don't know Chris, turn around and look at him. He wanted to be sure to uh, me to tell you that it was his birthday. And I said, how old are you, Chris? And he said, 36. That's right. Uh, 
Chris was either 10 or 11 when he first came here. And at that point in time, uh, the doctor said he will never make it out of his teens. And as many times as his mom and dad took him to the hospital, and as many times as I was there where he was just hanging on like this, it, that seemed absolutely right. He's 30 freaking six. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was just looking at Valerie there for a second. It's, it's an inside thing. Such a... Uh, the, look around you. There are people who are, are so faithful. And really, being a pastor, one of the things you, you, you know, you begin to find out people's stories and you know what's going on. You know, and, and, I, and I look at, at some of you and I know where you've been and what you've been through and in some cases, what you're going through right now. And you, and you look out there and you see those people going... And I, and I just have to go, Lord, thank you for putting me next to this person. Thank you for putting me in, in proximity with this person. When I, when I really turned my life over to the Lord, I was in my mid-20s, and I went, God, how, how, why is this going to be different? How am I going to not fall away this time? And the answer is you. You. God wove my life into into the fabric of other people's lives that held me and and it holds you and so you know as you look around I mean you may not like everybody that you're sitting close to that's okay you can still be thankful for people you don't like seriously Thank you, God. This person is teaching me patience and perseverance. And this person is teaching me mercy. This, this person is... I, I'm winning stars in my crown for putting up with this person. <laughs> there are great stories of redemption sitting near you. There are great servants of God sitting near you. There, there are people sitting near you who bring light and peace and, and comfort and the beauty of Christ into, into this desperate, dark world. And I thank God for you. To really know God's will is to break free from the pattern of this world. The pattern of this world is to whine and complain and Oh, poor me, and why did she get that, and why, is, why, did, why did he got, get that? Yeah. How'd that work out for the Israelites as they were getting ready to enter the promised land? Yeah. But that's, that is the pattern of this world. It isn't happy people who are thankful. It's thankful people who are happy. Happy people who aren't thankful don't stay that way long. But thanksgiving breaks things free in your life. And let me just say this in closing. You cannot be glued to 24-7 news and be a thankful person. So just stop it. Just stop it. I mean, 
I know, yeah, I'm going to kind of venture here. You know, I, I know that uh, whatever comes down in the situation in, what is it, uh, um, the, the place up in, near St. Louis, Ferguson. I know that whatever situation comes down from that, you know, there's, there are going to be people upset. But for the last two weeks, every headline has been kind of like, well, it could happen today. Well, it didn't happen today. It could happen today. Well, it could happen today. Well, let's let it happen, and, and then I'll, if I need to get upset about it, I'll get upset about it. But I don't think I'm going to because, and not because I don't live there, but because I got a God who's got this. He's got this. He absolutely does. I, I, I had my eyes examined uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, I, and the, the, the doctor who does it, oh, bless his heart, is probably one of the, I've only been to him twice, but I think I'm just going to keep going because it's, uh, it's fun. He's just the most dour, desperate, down person you can imagine. You know, and I'm always thinking, you know, all right, I'm, I'm probably going blind. Uh, but then he brings me the good news that I'm not, you know. Uh, it just isn't good news to him. And I walked in this time, and I was sitting in a chair, and he was talking to me. And the first thing he said is, yeah, I listen to conservative talk radio every day. Do you? And I went, have you ever thought about, like, worship music? Or silence, even. <laughs> you have to break loose from the pattern of this world for God to be able to break in and reveal to you what he's doing and what he wants to do in your life. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. For he has made me glad. Will you stand? For those who are going to pray with people, come forward. And if you are here and you need prayer, <laughs> I wonder who his mom is. <laughs> Doesn't dance. If you're here and you need prayer, uh, come. Come. If you're here and you don't know Christ, we'd love to introduce you to Christ. And let me say this. Uh, Probably nobody will take me up on it, but some of you need to come and get prayer before Black Friday. <laughs> I'm serious. Let me tell you, I, uh, this is, I do this, I, you know, I, I don't guess the Bible necessarily said to do this, but every time I go to the store, whether it's grocery store, Home Depot, Lowe's, Dillard's, whatever. Every time I go to the store, between my car and the door, I, I have a prayer that I pray. And it's always, Lord, help me to not get the things that I shouldn't get. Help me to only get the things that you want me to get. Go in there with me. Help me. Yeah, and I, I recommend it. I recommend it. If you need prayer, you come, and, and if, you, uh, if you don't need to come, worship with us for a few moments. We'll uh, create an atmosphere for those who do. And I think we probably need a couple more people up here to pray.
love you guys. Raise your hand. We give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent his Son into the world so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. May abundant life be yours. May it be accompanied and ushered in by abundant thanksgiving. May the light of Christ shine through you to those around you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let me just uh, say the, the, the people out in the foyer who have uh, the things that are for sale, this is the last time they'll be here. So, uh, you know, if you want something, you don't have to buy anything. You can just go look at things. But if you do, they won't be here next week. Uh, I imagine we'll have an art display. Yeah. God bless you. And there is a 6 o'clock meeting tonight for any of you that are interested in finding out about the Africa trip for next year. Somewhere on the premises. We'll figure out where we're going. Okay.